Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and I am joined by Head of Canadian Equities at Phillips Hager & North Investments in Vancouver, Scott Lizakowski. Scott, how are you doing today? Great, Dave. Thanks for having me. Feeling very, uh, very artsy today, Scott. You've got a yep. uh, big, big art delivery that uh, <laughs> that delayed our uh, our taping here. What, uh, what, what, what did you buy? Uh, a couple, couple pieces from a, a local artist, uh, local BC artist. So uh, we'll uh, find a place to put them on the wall. Got a, got a few blank walls to fill, but uh, slowly but surely, we're we're getting the walls filled. So not 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 just an expert uh, stock picker, but also a uh, a great art picker as well. It's beautiful stuff. Uh, again, it's too bad we uh, we're only audio here on the podcast. But uh, Scott, I, we we were going back and forth uh, about uh, what we might talk about today, and uh, and I I referenced an article that I read yesterday from an analyst at uh, Bank of America, and she was talking about uh, dividends and and that. You know, dividends and dividend-paying stocks and dividend-growing stocks look particularly attractive right now. And then she pointed out particular sectors where she thought there was the most potential. And it was it was really interesting to read an article again from an American analyst, right? And she pointed to energy, financials, and materials as the three areas where there's great potential for dividend growth. And right away, what does that scream at me? That screams Canada. You'd come to me this morning with some some thoughts just around how well Canada has done this year relative to the U.S. and other markets around the world. Um, so, so why don't you talk about Canada, the positioning, uh, and, and, and what's happening right now that's kind of exciting? Sure, yeah, no, those are great great points uh, to touch on. Yeah, so the TSX has outperformed the, the S&P 500 on a year-to-date basis. That would be both in uh, Canadian dollar terms and in and local currency. Uh, no surprise there that leading the charge are, are some of the sectors you mentioned, energy, financials, industrials, um, and materials, particularly uh, non-gold materials uh, in Canada. So that'd be the base metals, forest products, and um, chemicals. And, um, you know, that the same the same analyst that you quoted put together, um, you know, a really good report early in the year, sort of showing how the current environment actually set up uh, very well for Canada in terms of relative performance versus the TSX. And uh, the points they made were, were a few. One was composition uh, from a composition perspective. You know, Canada and we've we've mentioned this before on the podcast that, you know, Canada is very cyclically biased, has a lot of. Um, it's market cap sort of taken up by these uh, more cyclical sectors, energy, financial, industrials, materials, as you mentioned, that's about 70% of the TSX versus the S&P 500 is, is probably about 25% represented by those sectors. So there's a compositional difference there. The other piece is that, you know, the TSX is a, an all cap index. Uh, so it includes, it has some exposure to small and mid cap stocks where the S&P 500 is a, is a large cap index. So it has some of that uh, cap bias as well. And uh, a couple other sort of features that, that set up well for Canada. One, from a valuation perspective, um, the TSX is trading at, you know, probably the deepest discount uh, to the U.S. market uh, going back to the tech bubble. And um, it's about a two standard deviation discount right now. And typically, historically, when the TSX is traded at or greater than a one standard deviation discount, the forward returns are kind of in the three to eight percent 
uh, range relative. So there's some out, sets up for outperformance when trading when Canada's trading at a discount. Um, the other one of the other things is that you know just given its sector composition, this is not overly surprising. But you know the the sales and earnings recovery sensitivity of the Canadian market versus the T, versus the U.S. is very high. So uh, the TSX has a much higher uh, beta to the, to GDP and its sales uh, from its sales perspective, and and has a much higher earnings recovery during periods of economic recovery. So that sets up really well for Canada, as we know that we're we're in the in the in the midst of an economic recovery. And and two other points, which I think are also you know not that surprising and and somewhat related, is that the TSX tends to outperform the the U.S. went during periods of strong commodity prices, and we've seen that year to date, and we've seen that sort of reaccelerate uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks uh, on the energy side, especially that the TSX tends to outperform. Uh, when we're in strong up cycles for commodity prices. And then finally, um, the valuation of the TSX tends to recover during periods of strength with the Canadian dollar. And so the commodity, the strength in the commodities, the strength in the, in the economy uh, should be positive for Canadian dollar. I know Dagmara and her team have been spoken positive about the Canadian dollar in the past. Uh, so that sets up really well. So that valuation, discounted valuation, plus that sort of increased sensitivity to a recovery in the economy, strength in commodities, and a recovery in the Canadian dollar sets up actually really well for Canada here. Yeah, and and, and a great point on the on on the currency, which a lot of investors uh, don't pay probably as much attention to as they should. That if the Canadian dollar is, is and the strength of you're going to see strength in the Canadian dollar relative to the U.S. dollar through this period, that if you do go and invest in the U.S., uh, that, that that's going to uh, reduce your returns because when you bring those dollars back, the Canadian dollar is higher, you're going to buy fewer Canadian dollars with your U.S. dollars uh, from your U.S. dollar investment. So uh, it, it, it is something to be conscious of. Now, a professional money manager like yourself, if you're running a U.S. equity fund, uh, you're going to be doing some hedging of currency to, to protect investors from that. Uh, but individual investors, if you're buying individual stocks, uh, something to keep in mind when you're when you're buying down in in the U.S. and and you know you do have these periods as we saw, I guess Scott, it would be what would it have been from from 2000 to about 2010, where the uh, where the Canadian market was uh, significantly outperformed the U.S. and was in in certain parts of that cycle uh, outperformed a, a good chunk of the uh, the world. Yeah, I think that uh, it's hard to you know hard to say that we're setting up for a ten year uh, relative performance cycle for Canada over the U.S. But we have been talking about sort of that cyclical uh, exposure in the Canadian market for some time. It's it's really proved itself out to start the year. It took a bit of a pause uh, through the middle part of the year, but as we're you know as we you know just to start this quarter, um, the TSX is starting to outperform the U.S. again, and, and we're starting to see some evidence of of some of these um, setups uh, play out. Certainly, certainly not promising a ten-year period of outperformance right now, and 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 also to to to, to keep in mind uh, that at at the same time that things may be favoring uh, the narrowness of the Canadian market, uh, that those same things can turn and leave the Canadian market out of favor, and that for Canadians they always have to keep in mind that Canada is only about two to three percent of global market capitalization in both stocks and bonds. So as much as you might like Canada right now, 
this is not something that you're going to have, you're going to want to have 100% of your assets in. That would be a dramatic overweight. And then don't forget, you probably work in Canada, you're earning your salary in Canada, you're working for a Canadian company, you're tied to the Canadian economy. So there's lots of reasons to diversify around Canada, but this may be one of those periods where being a little bit overweight Canada makes a lot of sense. Well, I think the, I think the setup is pretty good, and I think that um, you know it's hard to say that we'll have a ten-year run, but but I think the setup is pretty good for Canada, and, and if the cyclical recovery uh, continues to take on, I think Canada will will prove to be a, a good place to invest. Uh, so uh, so Scott, thanks uh, thanks for that great great update on Canada, and uh, and uh, from the uh, from the sophisticated Scott Lizakowski. Uh, on uh, on on the download, uh, Dave signing out, and we'll uh, we'll see you in a, in a couple of weeks, Scott. Thanks, Dave. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management Inc. for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions. RBC Global Asset Management is the asset management division of Royal Bank of Canada, RBC, which includes RBC Global Asset Management, Inc., RBC Global Asset Management, U.S., Inc., RBC Global Asset Management, U.K., Limited, RBC Global Asset Management, Asia, Limited, and Blue Bay Asset Management, LLP, which are separate but affiliated subsidiaries of RBC. RBC Phillips Hager & North Investment Council, RBC PH&NIC, RBC Global Asset Management, Inc., and Royal Bank of Canada are all separate corporate entities that are affiliated. RBC PH&NIC is a member company of RBC Wealth Management, a business segment of Royal Bank of Canada.